And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 107 of the Keith Law Show. It's a little bit late this week, so we could time this a little bit more towards the start of the World Series. This is going up, uh, I believe, Friday morning. Friday night is game one of the World Series between the Phillies and the Astros. So I will be talking to my old friend Joe Poznanski, who wrote a book called The Baseball 100. He's got another baseball book coming out next year that he'll tell us about. He also has his own newsletter uh, via Substack, uh, because I am apparently the only writer in the world without one. Uh, for those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, I did post one fairly short piece this week taking a look at the Yankees' off-season needs, um, particularly the offense, saying essentially what do the Yankees need to do to kind of fix the roster this offseason? And I say that with a, a little bit of a drier tone in my voice because this team won about 100 games. They don't need, they're not broken, but there are things that they could do to maximize their chances of winning the division again next year. And I thought it was fair and wanted to try to take a balanced look at the roster as a result. Um, I will say for folks who kind of misunderstood the lead, and I don't think it was very many people, this column was not meant to be a defense of Brian Cashman or Aaron Boone. It was merely saying that, hey, calling for those guys to be fired after a four-game sweep is probably not the best process we've got. Once the World Series ends, you will see a new piece from me ranking the top 50 free agents in this winter's market. Should run the day after the World Series ends. Um, I'm about halfway done writing it, but of course, some of those guys will sign or not opt out or take their player options or something and cause me undue grief. Uh, Actually, I should say they will cause me confusion and delay when that happens. But the show must go on, and they will be up for subscribers to The Athletic, like I said, the day after the World Series ends. And finally, for those of you who follow me for board game content, I did have a new review up this week over at Paste Magazine for the great new game Cat in a Box, or Cat in the Box, I'm sorry, which takes the concept of Schrodinger's cat, uh, the hypothetical or thought experiment of Schrodinger's cat, um, and turns it into a trick-taking game, and actually really does take the gimmick, take the idea of that thought experiment and uses it as a real part of the game mechanics where you, everybody has a hand of cards in different numbers, but none of the cards have suits until they're played. And that is until they are observed. Uh, it's really fun. It's very clever. It is also, I think, pretty quick to learn, but rewards uh, 
frequent playing because you are it, it, it there's a lot of thought that goes into the game over the course of of playing it um i don't have a Substack. i do have a newsletter uh it is at uh tinyletter.com slash keith law i send it out somewhat irregularly but it's also free so i feel like i can send it when the muse strikes me and that might be sometimes it's twice a week and sometimes it's once a month uh, depending on also what I feel like writing about and also how much other writing I've been doing. So if you just can't get enough of me, please check that out and consider signing up. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by my longtime friend, former colleague, briefly, Joe Poznanski, author of the book that I'm looking at right now. It's on my shelf, The Baseball 100. He also has a Substack, which you can subscribe to at joepoznanski.com. And he's working on a new book, which we would love to hear about. It's not out till next year, but give us a, you can give us a sneak peek. But first of all, Joe, thank you so much for joining me. It, it is great. It's great to see you. There's a, so tell us about the new book. Oh, let's go right into it. Yes, yes new absolutely. book coming out. I think it leads into other topics very well. <laughs> it's called Why We Love Baseball, and uh, it is going to be – it's a mix of a lot of things, but the sole like, center of it is – uh, is a countdown of the 50 greatest moments in baseball history. Uh, from 15 to 1, much like we did with the Baseball 100, mm-hmm. uh, so that I can have lots of people yell at me over the next couple of years of how you could leave this moment out and that moment out and are you crazy and all that, which is, you know, half the fun. Oh, people love um, lists. I love lists. So, But this one has also got a bunch of stories inside of it too, all sorts of Cool stories, I think, that just get at the heart of, of why we love baseball. And, and uh, it's really funny. Uh, and I think, I don't remember if you were one of the people I asked at the very early stages of this, but um, I went up to people and, and said, you know, I'm thinking about this book, why do you love baseball? And it's, it's the craziest thing about this game. Nobody, not one person I talked to kind of gave me like a reason why they love baseball. Instead, told me a story, first game they ever went to, talking with their fathers, their grandfathers, their mothers, uh, you know, telling me about Little League games they played, talking about like little moments in time, you know, what it's like when you see a foul ball coming at you in the stands. I mean, it's it's like they're not, it's, you know, if, if I ask you what, mo- you know, why you like a movie, you would tell me you like the plot, you like the acting. But that's not how it works with baseball. So you have this this hopefully in one book, you've got uh, all these great moments and all these great stories. And maybe at the end of it, if, we, if I do it right, you get this sort of sense of why why the heck we love baseball. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd have a long and somewhat complicated <laughs> answer for that that would definitely involve family, yeah, specific memories, um, baseball cards. Yes. Falling in love yes. with the numbers of the game. You know, the math and math has always been kind of music to me and baseball sure. is very mathy, right? It's not a straightforward answer. It's funny because one of my most formative, I always tell people the first season I remember truly being a baseball fan was 1981. How the hell am I still a baseball fan? <laughs> and I was a Yankee fan. So that should have broken yeah. me three different ways. <laughs> and somehow so I still true. like this sport. But how old were you in 1981? Eight. Turned eight during the season. That's yeah. that's the year. So I so I've I've had this long standing belief that baseball is the best it's ever was and will ever be 
whenever you were 10 years old. Oh, like yeah, that is sure. that is my belief. And yeah. so you fall you fall for it in, at eight for some reason or another. I was talking to a, a guy uh, not that long ago and I was saying, so why why do you love baseball? And he said, I, I was eight years old when Carlton Fisk hit the game six home run, the wave and fair home run in 1975. And I'm like, that's almost 50 years ago. Like that's that's not a reason why you still love baseball. But but it is. But it is. I, that's it's I, I'm yeah. so excited. That's about like it. saying I loved War and Peace because of page two. Right. That's right. That's right. Or I love movies because of some movie I saw 50 years ago. Right. I mean, right. It's, like yeah. it's, it's, it's so but it's so true, though. I think if you're a baseball fan, you understand that there's a truth to that, that, you know, when you really think why well, I love baseball, it's like, sure, I love triples. I love watching great pitching matchups. I love this. I love that. But there's really something deeper and almost ineffable about why we love baseball. And so I am uh, I could not be more excited about this book. This is this is to me that the it's 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 the one it's the one I've been waiting to write my whole life. Oh, I'm excited to read it. So yeah. do, have you loved the playoffs so far? OK, so let's get into it right away. Um, <laughs> I don't love playoffs as a general thing. Like I do love. Of course, I love the games individually. I want I love the regular season. Like I want the regular season to matter more than it does. I don't want expanded playoffs. I, I I don't want, you know, I'm happy to go back to when four teams made it. Like, I love the regular season. But we ain't going back. So I've, I've let that go. And so, yes, I've loved the playoffs in that I've loved the games. I've loved the moments. Uh, the Jordan Alvarez home run against Seattle was incredible. The Bryce Harper home run. Uh, you know, to, oh to see it was just un- it's one of my favorite at bats I've ever seen. Well, the, the you, there's a video of somebody was several blocks away from Citizens Bank Park, and you can see the it you can like hear it and shaking. the camera's shaking, yeah. right? I mean, several blocks. So I'm picturing up Broad Street in Philly, you can hear the crowd as <laughs> yeah. that ball leaves the bat. Oh, everything about that at bat was so wonderful, and it is in my book, Oh, Why We Love Baseball. Um, and and uh, so I've so I've loved. I mean, look, there are things about the playoffs I haven't loved. I mean, it's been, it's it's we're watching, we're seeing a lot of strikeouts, right? I mean, like everything that we're seeing, everything that you and I and many other people have talked about with the game, is on high alert here, right? We're seeing more strikeouts because the pitchers are even better. Uh, we're seeing fewer runs. We're seeing no real rallies, very few rallies, you know, which is such a good part of the game. We're not seeing any triples. We're not seeing any, you know, too many stolen bases. Right, not... I missed the stolen base. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we're going to get one for the, so we all can have a free taco oh my in the God. World Series. Yes. You, you can have mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I'll, I'll actually, let's both of ours give, give them away as, as, uh, as party favors. But yeah, I mean, so... So yes, I've loved it because it's baseball and it's 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 intriguing and fun baseball. I love the Philly story, um, but I will never be able to get over the fact that the Phillies don't belong in the playoffs. Like you know what I mean? Like they did, they weren't good enough in the regular season, in my view, to be in the playoffs. But those those days are gone. Those days are gone, and I love that story and I love that team. And I would be, you know, if they beat the the Astros in the World Series. It'll be one of the great stories in baseball history. They're so much fun to watch. So it's not a knock on the Phillies. It's just 
I prefer, you know, when regular seasons mattered and, and the regular season matters less and less. I always joke, joked, I guess I should say past tense at this point. I remember, I'm pretty sure it was 81. You, we had, what would we have had at the time? 26 teams in baseball right. and four made the playoffs. And at that point, I believe the NHL had 21 teams and 16 made the playoffs. It was like, <laughs> yes, we're not. And I liked hockey, right? right? That was This was towards the end of the Islanders winning four straight Stanley Cups. Sure. And like, I mean, I could name Bossy and Smith and Potvin and Goring and Tanelli oh, yeah. and Trottier, and, right? Those were our guys. I had that. I had the two page thing from Newsday up on my wall with the <laughs> roster and all of that. But they were two different things. Yes. Right? They were just these. These are two sports I really love, but they are very different. Hockey is an 80 game play in for yes, the tournament right. that matters. And baseball was very much the opposite. And I do worry about the devaluing of the regular season. I think it's inevitable at some point some owner is going to say, you know, especially some owner of a small market team is going to say, we got too many home games in the regular season, right? Let's just yeah. ax some of those, which I think would actually be bad for most owners financially, but right. still like that's inevitable. In our lifetimes, I, they're shortening the regular season. If it if it didn't cost them money, they would have already done it. You know, I, I mean, and I and it's interesting because hockey and the NBA to a lesser extent, but particularly hockey, there's nothing like playoff hockey like play, playoff hockey is like it's like a different sport from regular season hockey right oh, you're on the edge of your seat you're every on the edge game, of your seat every right? minute because you know that anything can happen uh at any moment the game could turn on on the craziest lucky thing right um and baseball's not like that that's just not the way the game is so baseball playoff ho- uh playoff baseball is fun but it's not it's not a different animal from regular season baseball, you know, other than some things that I don't think any of us particularly love, which is pulling pitchers earlier than we normally would or, or, you know, doing, doing various things that are sort of one day, uh, you know, moves that you have to make that during the regular season you wouldn't do. So, you know, there, there are a few subtle differences, but anyway, but here's the thing. And I think you and I both agree on this. We're not going back. The the, the 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 country has made a decision long ago <laughs> that people love playoffs and they love teams like the Phillies. They love underdogs coming through, getting second chances, and then and then beating the Giants and that not not the San Francisco Giants, but the actual Giant you know teams. Um, that's just a part of the game, and and that's what we people want and. And look, I can get into it. I I love it. It's it's great, but it's silly that the Dodgers are not in the World Series, right? It's silly that you could have a season like that and then lose a five-game playoff series to a, a team you beat by 22 games in the regular season. It 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 goes against sort of what baseball represented for all of those years. But baseball just represents something different now. And one of the things that used to be you'd see in the playoffs not seeing the regular season that I did like was you'd see starters coming in in relief. Yes. Because it was like, it's his throw day. He might as well throw the inning in a game, especially if right. it was like a low leverage situation. And then you'd get to the end of a series. And we've seen a little bit more of that in, in recent years. But teams are so reticent to put pitchers at any risk at all. Yes. But you would see it's like, hey, it's it's winner go home tonight. So everyone's ava- everyone except yesterday's starting pitcher is just available. Right. And I love that because then you get that playoff hockey like, whoa, every, what yes. is happening here? <laughs> yes. Right. I love that part of it but we're away from that i mean that's a probably a broader 
separate conversation if teams are, have just gone so far the other direction in protecting pitching. But still, like that's there were certain aspects of playoff baseball that were kind of cooler and were a little oh, bit sure. better. Oh, sure. And, 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 and some of that stuff is gone now because there's so many great pitchers in their bullpen already. You know, like you, yes, if, they, if this game goes to a, if this goes to seven, assuming Verlander doesn't start Game seven. I mean, one, maybe. three, five, one, and seven, three, probably. Right, if you ask right. him. Yes. Yeah, I know. Right, he yeah. would He would be ready to go. But assuming they don't go with him on three days rest, maybe they would. But even if they do, then, okay, then Framber is available for, for you know. Then it's like that's really exciting. For a game seven, those guys would be like the very, very top starters would be available. But now it's teams have five just lockdown relievers it seems like every i mean especially these two teams you know they've just got lockdown relievers houston brings out guys i've never heard of and they all throw a hundred and they all have got some ridiculous slider and great change up yeah i mean it's it's uh, it's amazing so um so you don't need that as much you know like the idea of like hey it's a game seven so we're gonna you know madison bumgarner is available that's we don't have to go that far back um, if you're at the Astros, you wouldn't pitch Madison Bumgarner for like four innings. Like, I mean, you, would, you wouldn't have like, to, you wouldn't have to, yeah. you've just got, you've got so much in the bullpen already. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I feel like the Phillies would be more likely to do that just of these two teams, right? Yeah, because that's right. They're got, not as deep. They've got two relievers. They they clearly, you know, uh, Sir Anthony from the right and Alvarado from the left. Yes. And then after that, it's n- no disrespect to the other guys, but it's not like the Astros bowl. No, they right? would bring a Ranger Suarez out, right? Yes. Like, like, they, like, right? Like that's, they did the other day. And did, right? yeah, yeah, and did. Yeah, no. no, they're not as deep as the Astros. Yeah. The Astros, I just don't think they ever would need us. I mean... They it's would cr- probably yeah. do it because it's dusty, and I'm sure Justin Verlander would be like just poking with a bat like every, oh, yeah. you know, thirty seconds. Like, hey, get me in there, get me in there. Yeah. Um, but no need, and I and I don't think that the you know the Padres seemed super deep. The Dodgers uh, until the end of the year seemed really deep in the bullpen. The Mats seemed deep in the bullpen. I mean, it's it's just there's so many good pitchers out yeah. there now. When they all th- like you said, they all throw so hard. It has gotten me very. Jaded, I was out in the Arizona Folly a couple weeks ago. It's like 94. Okay, sure. He throws 94. That's crazy. 94, right? I know. I mean, I'm I wondered about that. I wonder from you from a scouting perspective if it's just because you, you go back far enough to remember that when, you know, somebody threw in the mid-90s, they were like, wow, that's a special talent. And now that's like, 
that's just table stakes anymore for for relievers. Oh, there used to be. I remember I could count on one hand. I'd probably been at ESPN a couple of years, and counting my years with the Blue Jays, on one hand, the number of times I had gotten triple digits on my own radar gun. Wow. And now I go to the fall league against three or four different guys in a week. (laughs) It's amazing. Mason Miller for the A's, who wasn't even a high draft pick, and... Uh, missed most of the year with a, some kind of non-significant shoulder injury, but but they were just very cautious. He hit 109 times in a three-inning start. He was a starter. Wow. Right? And you're like, wow. okay, now that's a guy. But then there were a couple of relievers who hit 99 and 100. I was like, eh, it's fine, right? He'll probably get there, I guess. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's amazing. It's it amazing. I remember when... Uh, when the Royals drafted Colt Griffin. I knew you were going to say that. Right? Guy. You got to bring right? that up. We're like dating ourselves a little bit now because I feel like there's a whole generation that's like Colt Griffin is just a name on baseball they, reference. Or they, well, Yeah, they wouldn't even know. Colt Griffin was the first guy who, who was clocked at 100 miles an hour in high school. He was the He was the very first guy. That's 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the very first guy and the – he couldn't do anything else. I mean, God bless him. Seemed like a great kid, but he couldn't, he had no control. He didn't have a curveball and nothing, but he hit hundred miles an hour. And that made him a first round pick, right? Like a high, like he yeah. was like the number five. Wasn't he top 10? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think it was a year or two team. before I got in and yeah. it was, but already at that point, so it had to be at least two years already. There was a, the hell were they doing? Like, what were they thinking? But <laughs> right. you know, like no one ever gets fired for, well, maybe this is true now, but no one ever got fired for drafting the guy who threw 100. That's right. Why, That's right. why did you take the guy? Boss, he threw 100. <laughs> he threw 100. That was just the end of the conversation. Had to take a chance. The guy yeah. throws 100, 100 miles an hour. Yep. Nobody throws 100. And now, of course, you know, it's just dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Oh, my God. People point, who will never make the major leagues can hit 100. That's the crazy part. That's where I was yeah. going to say is that there's now, you know, it used to be if you threw 95 plus, he's getting to the big, if he stays healthy, he's basically getting to the big leagues. You know, you're talking 90% chance of that happening. And now there's certainly a lower bar where, especially as like, if you're a right-handed reliever and you're not 92, 94, we're probably not having this conversation again, right? You are thinking about becoming a stockbroker or something where, you know, and now it's the 98 to a hundred. It's nice. What else you got? Right? What else you got? Right. Yeah. You cannot get by anymore throwing 99 with nothing else. You, like, that's not, you know, and and it's, it's, it's really fascinating because I've always wondered, like, with different sports, I've always thought about this. Like, can, like, is the sport that you are playing, is there a level where the players can get too good for the sport itself, right? Where you can like literally get like like in basketball, they just kept getting taller and taller and taller. Now that doesn't matter as much, but it, but for a while there, it's like, do they have to raise the rim? Like, do they literally have to change the actual sport because they have gotten too big and too strong and too good for the sport? And you do wonder, like, when you have this many pitchers throwing this hard, this good, like. The hitters are, I think you would agree, the hitters are better than ever. Absolutely. And and, and what do you do, though? What do you do? We're seeing it in the playoffs. I mean, you could be, you could, I don't think, purely from a hitting standpoint, I don't think you could be better than Jordan Alvarez. Like, I mean, just like everything he does at the plate, his approach, you can't, there's no, he has no weaknesses. Nope. There's he's, no place to pitch him. He's, and he's amazing. so strong. And he's that, so strong, right? Yep. So he can even just, just punch it the other way. You can do whatever. And yet, they're 
they're getting him out because because they're throwing a hundred miles an hour well, and right? it's a hundred up and it's you know high spin on the four seamer and right. then there's a slider with this kind of spin axis so it looks like the same pitch coming out of the pitcher's hand and they go bing, in opposite yep, directions exactly. yeah Different i agree directions. i've had that thought where you know it's a it's a it's an entertaining thought exercise really of what do you do to combat this because the balance seems to have shifted so much that yes. look there are hitters who as you said the hitters are better than ever i completely agree with this the best group of athletes the best we've ever seen right yes that and that's generally true over the course of baseball history but i think that we've seen an acceleration in the development of pitching and of hitting in the last 10, 15 years. I think pitching has accelerated, has improved at a faster rate. Well, because they've had they've had the the, the distinct advantage of of now only having to throw one inning. Like I think if like if you went back and just not that they would ever do this, but if you went back to pitchers and said, okay, this is back in nineteen seventy seven, the Baltimore Orioles carried eight pitchers all year. Okay, you can only carry eight pitchers. If that happened, <laughs> hitters would suddenly be dominant again. You know what I mean? Like, like that would change the entire dynamic of the sport. And so I think pitching and hitting and probably the hitters and pitchers are probably developed at a pretty equal pace. But it's just there are a lot more of the pitchers, you know? And it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if I got to face Sir Anthony, for instance, Sir Anthony Dominguez, unbelievable pitcher. But if he had to throw five innings, I don't think he would be that good at the no, end. He right? used to. You know? I mean, pre yeah. his five years. I remember seeing him in Reading, right? Yeah. I liked yeah. him, but it was like two pitches, didn't really have the command and control. You like you, I liked the arm. There was no question. I thought he was Absolutely. something. Was starter, reliever. Right? You, know, you didn't know. Are you going to put him in the pen? Is he? We always say he's going to throw two to four miles an hour harder in the pen. Some do. Some, don't, some guys throw eight miles an hour harder in the pen. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, look, we I believe we've even had this precise conversation over some Thai food. Um, imagine uh, Mariano Rivera going through the lineup a third time. You know, I mean, Mariano Rivera is as good as there's ever been at what he did. But he threw one pitch. One pitch. Yep. One time. So you're yep. telling me <laughs> that pitch is still working in the seventh inning? It's not. And, and, and so, so in addition to pitchers getting stronger and better and throwing harder and, and mixing in incredible and, and better breaking stuff, in addition to all of those things, they also, there's an army of them. There's just like, it's, it's two on one all the time, three on one all the time. So, so I think that's been the big difference. Yeah. And I think it's led to some not that entertaining playoff games. Yeah. I had this argument with it. You know, I said that, that nothing, nothing. Uh, Cleveland Tampa Bay game that closed Oof. out their first round. You know, people yeah. are like it was so great, it was so tight. Yes, it's 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 a pitcher's duel. It was tight. It was in doubt. There also weren't many rallies. I feel like Cleveland no. had one opportunity, maybe in the sixth, and that yeah. was about as close as either team came to scoring for like eighteen in. Right? It, yeah. Just, yeah. It, to me, at that point, I love a pitcher's duel. Um, you know, to me, a pitcher's duel is one-one. Right. Or it's nothing, right. nothing, but there've been a couple opportunities here and there. There's yeah. more traffic. There's more action. And instead, what we just got was, here's another guy out of the bullpen who's 95, right. 97 with a hammer slider with a high spin rate. And he's going to come in and he's going to get two strikeouts and a weak grounder and he's out. And it's just, and yeah. it's just another one of these 
almost is a little bit disparaging, and I don't mean it that way, but that it is like this faceless army of guys coming out of each bullpen who are like that. And it, it even says something to me. You were just rattling off a bunch of teams like that. There's a lot of teams that have bullpens like that. Yes. It's not like one or two teams. Remember the Nasty Boys, yes. right? Where it was like, oh, my God, they have three good relievers. <laughs> It's different. It's completely different. But but you're right. And the thing, that game, I listened to some of that game on the radio, the Cleveland-Tampa game. Uh, listened a little bit on the radio and watched a little bit on TV. And it was interesting because I was listening to the Cleveland broadcast. And Tom Hamilton was doing the game, who I love. He's so good. And Tom kept talking about being a classic. He's like, this is a classic. We got a classic here in Cleveland. It's a classic. And I thought... It doesn't feel like a classic. It feels like batters who are overmatched. That's all it feels like. And then a few days later, we get the 18 inning 0-0 Astros Mariners game. And you're like, and you're like, okay, with Cleveland and Tampa, yeah, both of those teams are kind of they're not great hitting teams, right? Like they like, but Houston is as good a hitting team as there is in baseball. And Seattle is a pretty good hitting team as well. And you saw it also for 18 innings. You're like, Wow, hitters have no chance. I mean, it's like hitters, if these guys are on their games, hitters have no chance. We were in, I was in Chase Field because they were doing a fall league triple header there. So I'm sitting with other scouts and MLB had a uh, uh, scout school for candidates from diverse backgrounds too. So I was sitting with some of them as well. And we're just just all talking in between innings of the fall league game. They keep flicking on that Mariners-Astros game. (laughs) And then we're like, uh, it's three outs. Oh, they're going to the 13th. Oh, no, it's the 14th. It's the fit. And, you know, we're like trying to update. It's like it, it was also sort of moving innings so quickly. Yeah. Whereas, like, to me, those aren't classics. I understand no. if you're a fan of one of those teams, especially if you're a fan of the winning team, you may feel differently. Yeah. A classic was the last game of the Phillies Padres series. Yes. Right. With lead changes. And obviously that that, you know, Bryce Harper, right, that guy in that situation hits a tough pitch. Oppo. Crazy. Right? Crazy. And the, to me, that's a classic. That's a game that, unless you're a Padres fan, people will talk about that for a long time. That, Absolutely. To me, I want more of that and, you know, relatively fewer of the you know, scoreless past nine innings. Again, days. I think your point is 100% right. If in that 0-0 zero, zero game, either one of them, there had been two or three innings where the bases were loaded with nobody out. Or something like that, right? And you're like, they kept getting out of him, you know, in these these crazy Houdini escapes. Okay, then then that's one thing, you know. But it wasn't like that. It was one, two, three inning after one, two, three inning, and it was it was strikeouts. They both struck out twenty times or whatever in that game, and it was you know feeble grounders. That's not a classic. I want to talk one second about that uh, Bryce Harper at bat. I mentioned how it's my favorite at bat, one of my favorites I've ever seen. It's because, first of all, he was going up against a, a pitcher who's just, he's, he's a witch, Robert Suarez. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, it's ridiculous. Like, tw- 20 years ago, they would not have allowed him in the big league. I mean, he, th- <laughs> he throws 100, and he's got that 88-mile-an-hour moving wick- wiffle ball thing. It's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. And he threw his best stuff, including the final pitch. I mean, his best stuff. And Harper, when he's in this kind of zone... He's he's untouchable. It just kept fouling him off. Just kept like waiting for his pitch, waiting for his pitch, foul off, foul off, foul off, uh, spit on a, a pitch outside, foul. And then he saw that pitch, 96 on the black, right? And he's like, 
yeah, that's the one. And he went the other way, and he knew it. He knew it was gone the second he hit it. I mean, to watch a hitter that good at that sort of height of his powers, oh, so much fun. Oh, to me, it it was when people ask me about approach too, right? That is, that's 80. That is the, that's an elite, yes. elite approach. And Harper's shown that a lot over the course of his career. It's not like it was a surprise. It was no. Such, such a great at bat and such plate and, and frankly, like swing awareness to be able yes. to say that pitch is outside. A lot of guys can't get to that ball on time, right. or if they do, it's going to be grounded to the to the left side, but that he is strong enough and he stayed back on it so yeah. well to be able to draw. I mean, he crushed that. He crushed it. A pitch that, like I said, most, I think the vast majority of even just, you know, good left-handed hitters don't get to that pitch or don't get Absolutely. to it on time to do hoping, what he did. Hoping to bloop that to left. Right, like that's yes. your best. That's your best bet. Right. I'm just going like to two-strike approach, just kind of yes. put it, and nothing wrong. I like those guys. Sure. Harper's next level. <laughs> next level. Yeah. It was so fun. That was so much fun to watch. So you mentioned Verlander, and I want to just talk a little bit, too, because my mind is also very much on free agency. It's the next big thing I'll write about. Yes. Verlander's one of the more interesting free agents because he's like 80 years old, um, yep. but just had a, a, an almost peak Verlander season. He's going to win a Cy Young. Yeah. Right? I think he yeah. should. I mean, yeah. sentimentally, I, I, you know, Talked about some other candidates, but he was, he was the best pitcher he's, in the league. Right. Yeah, he's going to win it. It's I mean, I think yeah. he will win it. Yes. yes. Uh, what would you give him on the open market? Like, what do you think? And obviously money is, is less of the factor. But like, how many years would you give a guy like him? Because I'm finding it hard to think of pitchers who've gotten to that age and still been that effective, except for guys like Clemens, who, in, let's not. Other 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 story. Yeah. Or guys like Maddox, who was different animal entirely. Yeah. I think I think it's his old teammate Scherzer is the guy you look at, right? I think it's a two-year. What do they give him? Two years, eighty-six million dollars. That right? Like that to me. And maybe the Mets are the ones that do it. I don't know. I mean, obviously Degrom is a free agent, so they got to figure out what they're going to do there. But maybe that's the team that does it. I think that's what it is. And I'm I'm always thinking more players should go for that. More players should go for the super duper high, you know, average, you know, the, the, per year and fewer years, right? Like go for, like I would, to me, if I was, if I was uh, Aaron Judge's, you know, people, I would at least entertain the possibility of getting a four year, $240 million deal or something, right? Where you get 60 million a year for four years, break all the records for, you know, per season, and sort of reset the whole thing, but you're not getting the largest, you know, uh, overall contract. I don't know. Nobody seems, everybody seems like it's got to be seven years. It's got to be this, it's got to be that. You're Verlander. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So you're Verlander. Maybe you try to become the first $50 million pitcher. You just go, yeah, I want, I want two years, $100 million, or I want, you know, something, uh, two years, 90 million, or I want one year for 50 or something. Because what, you know, why not? I mean, like you're at that stage where you're not going to get a long term deal. You don't want a long term deal. Hey, put up another, you know, sign one year $50 million deal, put up another Cy Young year, maybe you'll get 65 the next year. You know what I mean? Like it's it's to me he he is in a great position to to do that. I don't know. I mean, to me the Astros should kind of do whatever they need to do to bring him back, I would think. Uh but it would not the, the I am I, I was talking with some, a couple of people in New York. 
I don't think the Mets and Steve Cohen are going to go after Aaron Judge. I really don't. I think there are reasons they will not. And so he's got to be looking out there. You know Steve Cohen, is, he's got money in his pocket that he's itching to spend. That could be one of those guys, bringing Scherzer and, and Verlander back and trying for sort of a one-year, let's, let's blow it all out here in New York kind of uh, experience. Uh, that that feels like a Steve Cohen kind of move. And what I'm glad you brought up Degrom is the other guy I was going to ask about because Degrom has, you know, in the, over the last two years, he's pitched like Jacob Degrom or something fairly close to it, but only in 150 innings. And I have I such a hard time. You know, part of me says, look, you you just, especially if you're a contender, you just put the money in and you just, you know, cro- close your cro- eyes, right? And, close your eyes, <laughs> why, you know, you just grip the table. Like yep. till, till your yep. knuckles are white and hope he stays healthy. Yeah, because you get because you get an ace. Maybe yeah, you get an you, ace for only twenty the, you, starts a year. You get the best pitcher in baseball when mm-hmm. he's when he's healthy. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like I mean, I think the ones that do it are there's there's two possibilities. Like you have a team that feels like, hey, we're one great player away from from winning this, and we we got to take the chance. We just got to take the chance. Maybe that's like the Padres. Like maybe the Padres would use. I mean, they've already spent out of their minds, so maybe there's no money to be to spend. Although I just saw an interview with his owner saying uh, the Padres owner saying, "I like spending money." So <laughs> okay, okay. God, don't, t- don't say that. They'll take the team away. <laughs> so so that's that's one possibility. Uh, the other possibility is that like the Yankees just go ahead and and say, you know, you know what? We 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 got to put all the chips in the table. Especially if they lose Judge, if they really do lose Judge, which I don't think they will, but if they do lose Judge, yeah, they've got to be like, all right, we're going to sign DeGrom, we're going to sign uh, you know, uh one of the shortstops we're going to sign. Yeah, they they got to just they just got to go nuts, I think, in order to like prevent them, you know, being a mutiny there in New York. So, uh, so that's an interesting situation, but yeah, somebody will. Somebody will close their eyes and go. I, I know the health, the risks, but he's Jacob Degrom. We got to take a chance. Yep, I I tend to agree. Um, Joe, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for doing this, folks. If you want to read more of Joe's writing, go to joeposnanski.com. P O S N A. Oh my God, I'm going to do it wrong. Posnanski, right? P O S N A N S K I. Perfect. Oh my God, I do that in my. I'm like writing in the air <laughs> as I do that. Dot com, and I do recommend his last book, The Baseball 100, which came out one year ago. One year and a couple of ago. weeks. Yes. Last time I had you on the show. So That's thanks awesome. again. It is always good to catch up. Love it. Thank you. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and enjoy the World Series. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.